0: We get a sense uh, and we think back to that day we were we to that day, you or me or whenever it was for you, you know, when we got married, uh, I remember when I went to Michigan to marry Julie, um maybe you remember when you and your wife connected. Those were the end, uh, you were in the last days of being single, weren't you? And you were headed for the first days of being married. Did you know that in the Bible, the analogy of the, uh, of the bride and groom is one of the analogies used to talk about Christ coming back to get us? And you probably heard some of the references in that, in that script, didn't you, about preparing a home? And I've been away. I'm looking for Are you ready? Um, we're going to talk for several weeks now about the book of Revelation and the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again for us. Because i got to tell you something, people. In that fictitious script, Joel is the only one waiting to come and get his bride. And In your real life situation, you weren't the only one waiting for your bride. There's another one who's coming for his bride one day. Amen. His name is Jesus Christ. And we are the bride of Christ as His church. And so I want to say to you at the very beginning that we ought to be ready. He's coming again for us. Isn't that good to know? That's really what the whole book of Revelation is about. It's about Jesus Christ's return to set up His kingdom. We're going to look at that and talk about it. I will tell you that a lot of people have questions about this. Um, If you ask any one of your work, I've heard some comments in here this morning. Oh, Ty, I have a question about that. Or someone said, now I love the subject of prophecy. They have a lot of issues and questions. This is a great series to get on the ground floor. This is our first week. The dates were a little off on your handout because of last week's mechanical problem with the airlines. But we're going to start today and and continue talking about the book of Revelation and, and answering some questions and facing the fears. One of the questions I get a lot and perhaps you get is, hey, are we in the last days? Well, take your Bible, turn to Revelation chapter 1. Let's talk a little bit today about that question. You know, the bride in our skit was in the last days. I think maybe the mother thought she was in the last days, to be honest with you. as so I said, They're in the last days of singleness and headed for the first days of something else. Are we living in the last days? That's a good question. There's a lot of myths out there about the last days. Some folks think we are, some folks think we're not. And how they base that is a good question. But I think in the very beginning of Revelation, John answers that question to start off with. So take your Bibles, and if you don't have one with you, but you can look over at the screen, I want to begin to read the first three verses of Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Follow along with me and then have your pen ready because we're going to underline the last four words of this passage. Okay? The Bible says this, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave Him, to show His servants what, I don't mind these four words, must soon take place. Alright? So what we're about to read in this book concerns things that must soon take place. Now watch this, guys. Just a little side of They come from God to Jesus to His servant. What the Bible says here. He made it known by sending His angel to His servant John, who testified to everything he saw. So in other words, as John, watch this, this is like a a way to prove in court the revelation is true. As John saw and wrote, an angel was there saying, yep, that's true, John's really seeing it. Because as you read this book, there are things you're like, whoa, dude, did he really see that? Can that be true? What does that mean? There's an angel who said what John's seeing is true. I testify, the word is witness. I give evidence that what John's writing about is what he really saw. So I want to say something to you. Revelation stands the test of witnesses. Amen? Let's read further. Here's what he saw. That is the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it. Because, say these four words with me, the time is near. Circle those words, underline a storm, Make a note in your Bible that we're clearly told the time is near. Now, if that's the case, I want to make a statement to you. And it's in your study guide, so in your bulletin, in your worship folder, just kind of take that out and have it handy. I want you to write some things in. First of all, here's a statement I to make to you. According to these verses, John knew his readers were near the end of one time and the beginning of another time. Just like our people were ending the time of their singleness, beginning the first days of their marriage, just like you at one point, ended perhaps a stage in your life and began another one. John knew and told his readers that you are beginning another time soon, which means one time is ending. So, that's why we can confidently say, now watch this, yes, we are in the last days. We are in the last days. Now, hopefully, you're thinking, okay, but what time are we in? And what time are we headed for? I'm not sure I'll follow all that. The time is near, but what time is it? We're going to explain that. And I'll support the statement. But I want to show you two quick references. Not in your study guide, but jot these down. 2 Timothy 3.1. Turn there first. 2 Timothy 3.1. Revelation 1, 1.3 said the time is near. We know that's true. 2 Timothy 3.1. Look what the Bible says here. This will make it a little more clear as we move forward in understanding this verse. 2 Timothy 3.1. The Bible says, mark this. In other words, you can count on this. Bill, you can count on this, buddy. You can mark it down. You can put it on your calendar, put it in your palm pilot. It's going to happen. There will be terrible times in what? The last days. Okay, look over at 2 Peter 3 3. Take your Bible's turn beyond Hebrews. 2 Peter chapter 3 3. The Bible says this. First of all, You must understand that in the last days. And he begins to describe situations that are obviously very unhealthy, very evil and sinful. Because of that, some folks have said this. Well, Todd, I look around me and it's just like the Bible describes. It must be the last days. Wait a second. Paul is describing things that were happening when he was alive. You realize that as bad as your world is. Now watch me here. And I make a challenge, to you. as bad as your world is in my world, as evil as it looks out there, there have been worse times. What if you were alive during the time of Nero? Paul's an apostle. The church was being persecuted. What if you lived in the city of Pompeii when the volcano erupted? The city of Pompeii is probably one of the most evil cities ever to exist. And the volcano that erupted froze those people in the habits and actions they were in at the time. And if you search history, you'll find that there's decadent evil uh, activities going on. And they were just, instead of quitting their sin, they just continued on in their their terrible acts until the, the, the ash and the eruption just froze them right in the middle of their terrible deeds time of Nero. I mean, You could go to the Sudan now and hear of terrible martyrdom. You see, it's, a, it's an erroneous thought to think that the last days are upon us because it's so bad. It's been worse. It's bad now. It's been bad before. So how do you determine when the last days really are? Well, first of all, I want to say to you, I think Paul felt he was in the last days. I think we're in the last days. The Bible indicates that there's a time coming and it's near. If something's near, that means we're at the end of something else. That's what I want to talk to you about. What is the time we're in? What is the time we're headed to? Because if you could figure out what those are, then we would know we're in the last days. I want to talk to you about that. First of all, I want to show you a, a, um, a meaning of the word time. Okay? So jot this down. The meaning of last day's time. And jot down these two words. They're mentioned in the Bible several times. Chronos and Kairos. The word in Revelation 1, take your Bibles, turn back to Revelation 1, and you ought to jot the word kairos out by the word time. And I'm going to explain what this means. This is the word used in Revelation chapter 1. Not clock time. He's not saying, hey, the time is near. It's almost 12 o'clock. He's saying a special time is dawning upon us. Something is about to happen. Now, this is not hard to understand. Of course, you know chronos. You think of the word chronology. Chronology. Um, so that a lot of our words about time come from this. Kairos means... Special. Let me let me show you the, the difference in these words. The skit you saw. He wasn't worried about what time, what chronos it was. He was worried about... Oh No, he was excited about what... What? Kairos it was. He wasn't thinking, Oh, good, at 4 o'clock I'll be married. He's thinking, Today... I'm getting married. He wasn't worried about Kronos time. He was thinking, man, today's the day. See, man, you know the difference in Kronos and Kairos too. See, if you've had a child and you've been in your home or at work or in bed in the middle of the night and your wife says, it's time. You don't shut your watch. Amen? You don't say, I know it's 2.30, leave me alone. Now, you may want to say that, right? (laughs) What she means is, it's Kairos time, right? Get the bags. We're going to the hospital. And of our four children, we didn't have any of them that were born in the middle of the night. Uh, I think Brett was started early, but most of them in the afternoon. I think about that in the evening. So I didn't have to wake up in the middle of the night thinking, "Oh, what time is it? Yeah, I got to check the clock. Oh, it's that time." You know, I had have to have that experience. But that's, that's the difference in these two. One's watch time. One is special time. And the word in Revelation is kairos. He's saying the time is near. That special time. And I want to say to you, I think the pregnancy birthing analogy fits the Scriptures. We known several times in the Bible, in the Gospels, when Christ was setting up His followers for His kingdom to come, He would say as a woman in, in labor. So the idea of our, of our civilization, of God's history, being pregnant with the coming of Christ, is very biblical. You with me? So we could say, you know what? It's almost time. It's almost a special time. And that's the meaning of last day's time. I want you to understand that. The word in Revelation is is kairos, special time. And I'm going to show you in a few minutes how the disciples always thought He's talking about kronos. And they would ask Him, Hey, what time is it? And they would use that word. And He would answer back, you don't need to worry about what time it is. You need to know what time it is. Now, in our language, it's hard to pick that up because we just have one word for it. But in the Greek language, I'll show you that those two words, it would have been an interesting conversation to be a part of if you were a disciple in that Greek and Roman culture. Let's move on. That's the meaning of last day's time. Follow with me here and let's talk about a picture of last day's time. And you'll want to draw this out. It may be hard to read, and if so, a person with the best vision can draw it, and then you can copy it from them maybe. Um. I want to show you what these times are according to the Bible. So you have a Bible, turn to Daniel. And let me take you back to a prophecy that explains these last days in a very clear way. Okay, Daniel chapter 9 is where we are. And I'm going to show you several more scriptures later, so don't worry. But if you had to draw, this is what we call a a nutshell of history, by the way. And if you want a nutshell of history in one slide, just write this down. I'm going to skip a lot of details. (laughs) Praise God, right? But I want to show you basically the time we're in and make some some strong statements to you. So as you write, please don't miss what I'm saying because I'm going to say some things that aren't on the board, but you need to catch this. First of all, I want to say this to you. God has always worked with two groups of people. Now listen to me very carefully. And He established covenants by which He works with these people. First of all, up to the cross, God worked through and with the children of Israel, the Jewish people, and He established a covenant with them. The Abrahamic Covenant, if you recall that. He said, I will be your God, you'll be my people. God made an everlasting covenant at that point with the Jewish nation. So we know, first of all, that, that the Jews initially up to a certain point, there's a cross right here, by the way, if you can't see it, about right there is a little cross. Up to about the cross, God worked with and through the Jewish people. That doesn't mean that Gentiles were never saved. And by the way, the word Gentiles is another word for anybody that's not a Jew. In fact, did you know this? In New Testament times, they called them heathen. So I could call us heathens, which we are, but by the grace of God, we're now saints. That's a whole message. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? You ought to get happy about that. I am. Praise God. Now watch this. He worked with the Jews. At what I believe is the triumphal entry of Christ, when He announced His kingdom and was rejected, that began what I have called the Gentile period. Now I've got a verse to show you this. The Gentile period is what we're in right now. Anyone can do this. God is working through His Gentiles. And what? And the body in the Gentile period is the church. Okay? Up before, up before this, it was the Jewish nation. There's a time coming. Watch this. There's a time coming when God will once again work with and through the Jewish nation. Now, I'm not going to get into all the details now about when that is and how we know it's coming and what's it called and when's the rapture. That's another message and we'll get into that. But I'm just trying to to show you two basic things. That God has always worked with two kinds of people. The Jews... And the Gentiles. We are in what is called the Gentile time. God is working with people of all nations, races, languages, tongues, and tribes to bring everyone to Himself. There's a day coming when that will stop. And God will primarily work again with the Jewish nation. This is the time that is near. Are you with me? This seven year period. I'm going to show you the verse of those years in a minute. This is the last days. That's why I say to you, anything from when Christ began to work with Gentiles to when He again worked with Jews, anything in that period is last days. So you and I don't think that. We think, well, man, it can't be last days because, man, that's hundreds of years. But see, that's a limited perspective. You're thinking like a human. You've got to go from God's perspective. And when you look at the history of mankind, and by the way, that's what, the, that's what God does. He sees time as if it were always present. He sees everything at one time. So when God looks at it, He doesn't see a measly 250-year-old nation or, or 2,000 A.D. is like a lot of time. He just sees it as, hey, this is the time period that I'm working with the Gentiles and when this ends, man, I'm going back to the Jews. And you know what He thinks? He says, listen, these are the last days. In the history of time, what we're in, this is the last day. Paul was in it. You're in it. Because at any moment, Christ could return, which would mark the beginning of His time again to work primarily with and through the Jewish nation. Remember this. If you think, well, when that happens, man, Todd, and my history. Well, watch this. I've said a very important thing. God is primarily working with and through. It's in the Old Testament. He worked with the Jews, but people like Rahab were brought into the family, weren't they? As now, He's working with Gentiles, but Jewish are brought in. During that time, He's primarily working with the Jews, but other folks will also be redeemed as well. God is never a God saying, hey, your are history. God wants all men to repent so that none should perish. But how He does that in different economies is often very strategic. He did it through the nation of Israel first. Now He's been through a group called the church. He'll once again establish His kingdom with the Jews and work through them. Now watch this. In case you doubt that, in the Old Testament, this time that is near... That we're looking forward to. We don't know when it starts. This time that's near is called Jacob's Trouble. Isn't that interesting? Why is it called Jacob's Trouble? Because Jacob's one of those founding Jewish patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And at that moment, God refers to that seven year time frame as as Jacob's Trouble. You know why? Because he will once again work primarily with the Jewish nation. Let me show you Daniel 9 real quickly. This is a very good summary of this picture. Now, I want to say to you up front, there are different views on this. I'm not the all-in-all answer man. I'm telling you what I believe the Bible teaches, and I have some pretty good facts to back it up, and I think we can support it. But there are other good people who take some different views on this. I'd encourage you to, to really read and study men that are trusted, and, and most of all, listen to the Holy Spirit. As you read and study, as He leads you are. Look what Daniel 9 says. Daniel 9.25, know and understand this. He's talking to Daniel. And by the way, I've got to preface this. Daniel asked God, he said, God, what's the future of your people? Now, don't don't lose me here, guys. Follow me. You're smart people. You're intelligent. If you read Daniel 8, 9 and so forth, you'll find out that he asked God, what's the future of your people, which is the Jews? They were coming to the end of captivity. And so God is going to lay up for him after this captivity. Here's what's going to happen to my people, the Jews. So follow that. Watch this now. From the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. That's a place in history, by the way. You can mark it down. It happened in the book of Nehemiah. We have an actual date for it. And I'll get into this later. I'm not going to go into all the details now. But there's a date. and Let's say it's right here. Let's just say this is the time in history when they issued a decree under Artaxerxes the king to rebuild the temple. That blue line, that first blue line. He says this. Uh, From that time until the anointed one, the ruler, speaking of Christ, Until He comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. Now, this is difficult, but not impossible. I believe, He's speaking here of seven seven seven-year periods. Other folks may differ, but the majority of theological thought and conservative people who understand Bible and prophecy take this as seven-year periods. If you add those up, that's about 483 years. There's a seven... There's first set of seven I'm getting seven confused here on it, which is 49. In other words, and then there's a 434 year period, but if you add those up and look at history, you can some scholars have even dated the, the, his triumphal entry to Jerusalem, and they've actually dated that exactly 483 years from the time the temple was issued to be built. Now I' want to go that later, I'll explain that more in depth. But that makes sense with the prophecy that at some point it will be rebuilt with streets and a trench. And then he says, after the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off. You see that? After 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off. There's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. His, the Jews said, no, we don't want your kingdom. They killed him. He was cut off. That ended that 69 sevens. Does that make sense to you? 69 seven-year periods. Then the Bible says, read on with me, the people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end. Desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. So we have seven sevens, 62 sevens, and then another set of seven. And I'm not going into all the details except to say this. This lays out for us a time period for the Jewish people. We have yet to reach the second... the. Uh, The Jews, the seven there, the third seven. See that? This one more seven. We've got to reach that. So how do you know, Todd? If you read Daniel 10 and 11 and so forth, you'll find those things have never happened for the Jewish people. We are looking forward to this, say it with me, time. Not chronos time. When's Christ coming back? One o'clock, February 22nd. No, 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 no. We're looking for this time when He once again will establish a kingdom for His nation we don't know when that is yet. We don't know quite what's going to happen. All we know is that when that happens, it will end the Gentile period. So when we've got to be ready. Because ready or not, here He comes. The time is near. Does that make sense? Now, this is a, At best, this is, um, I don't want to say complicated, but it, it takes some thinking about the numbers. We're going to look at them week to week in more prophecy. But I'm saying this to you, that, that God laid out for His people a picture of their history. Our job is not to make them fit into us. Our job is to fit into God's plan. Let me show you some more verses about the end times. You got that written down? Here's some scriptures about end times. I'm not going to read all of these. So write all these down. Read them later. But I want to show you a couple that are very important. Look at Daniel 10:14. You're already in Daniel, right? Look at Daniel 10:14. I have come to explain to you, Daniel, what will happen to your people in the future. For the vision concerns what? A time yet to come. Now, let me show you something interesting. If you want to go a little deeper, I'm going to show you something. The word time there, this is the Old Testament book of Daniel. It wasn't written in Greek. But there was a man who translated the Old Testament into Greek years and years ago. When he did that, it's called the Septuagint. When he translated the Old Testament into Greek, do you know what Greek word he used for that word time? Not chronos. Kairos. He knew. You know what? There's a time coming. Not a clock time. There's a special time coming for his people, the Jewish nation. It's about a vision yet in the future. Look at some other verses here. Um, Underlined a few. Look at Luke 21. This is a very clear one. They're all very clear. Some may seem a little clear to us. Let me say it like that. Look at Luke 21. Uh, about verse 20. I'm not going to read all the way through 31. I'm going to read a few of the parts. Look what he says. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Remember Daniel 9? What's got to happen? The desolation of Jerusalem. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out. Let those in the country not enter the city. This is the what? Time. Kairos, by the way. Of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. Probably speaking there about Daniel. Look at verse 24. They will fall by the sword and be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Watch this. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the what? Are fulfilled. Here it is. You see? There's a Jewish time and there's a Gentile time. That Gentile time is about to end. How do you know, Todd? Because there's another time that's near. John told us that. The time is near. So we're in the last days of the Gentile time. However, can I say to you that that means the Lord's come back tomorrow? He could. He could come back in a hundred years. That's why basing the last days theory on how bad it is is faulty. Let's base it on the history of God as presented in the Bible. It makes sense? Because I'll tell you, your kids may grow up and be worse. May grow up and be better. We don't know. All we know is there's a time coming. When our time is fulfilled, the Jewish time will begin again and God will make a covenant with them. Now let me show you some more verses. Um, look at Acts 1, 6, and 7. This will be one that, that will make sense to us. Because we are just so much like the disciples. Acts 1, 6, and 7. When they met together, speaking of the disciples and the apostles, and when they met together, I hope you're reading your Bible with me because this is a great two, three verses. They asked him, Lord, are you at this chronos? Are you at this clock time? That's what they asked him. Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Interesting question. They didn't say, hey, when's the church going to get started? Did they say that? No. What they asked, When's Israel, once again, going to be the centerpiece of your strategy? When are you going to land on earth and say, Hey, I'm in charge. The scepter has landed. Boom. Let's have a kingdom. When's that going to be? And what time? Because I want to make sure I'm there. And that's like you and me, isn't it? Look what he said. Verse 7. He said, and this is awesome verse, man. If you can't get excited about this and get to preaching. Man. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times, Chronos." Or dates the Father has set by His own authority. You don't need to worry about that time. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You see, they're all worried about their watches. Watch me, watch me. And God's worried about their witness. Church should say amen right there, amen. Aren't we that way sometimes? Just like these disciples? Oh, when's He come back? I'm all in the prophecy. What time is it? Last days. It's so bad. Let's hunker down. Oh my goodness. Get a robe and find the hills. Run, you know, Y2K, whatever. I don't think God's near as worried about Y2K as we were. What He wants to say to the church is, Hey, listen, don't worry about the times. It's near. You're in the last days. We've been in them since the Gentile preach started. What I want you to do is be filled with the Spirit of God and live as a witness empowered by the Spirit. That's what we ought to be doing. Amen? Someone says, well, when's He coming back? Do you know? I don't know for sure, but He's coming back. Are you ready? Because, man, the Holy Spirit's empowered me to witness to you. You ready? Well, I want to know what day. I want to know what time. You're worried about the wrong time, buddy. Let me tell you about what's really important. Does that make sense? I want to challenge you. Take your watch off and open your Bible and get concerned with the time that's near. We're in the last days, and start being a powerful witness, not a clock watcher. Let's move on to some of our scriptures. Look at uh, Romans thirteen eleven. I'll mention maybe two more. This is a, this is a good one here. Romans thirteen eleven. Paul is writing here to Roman believers, no doubt a mixture of Jews and Greeks, Gentiles. Look what he said. Romans thirteen eleven. He's talking about how to act and and how to treat people, and how to obey the law. And look what he said in verse 11. You ought to read verses 8 through about 10 first. But then he says, And do this, and here's why. He gives a great reason why. And do this, understanding the present... Say it with me. Not chronos. Look it up. Kairos. Paul said, listen, Why should you stay out of debt and pay your bills and love your neighbor? Why? Why? Because, man, you ought to know what time it is. Not that. But the last, what time is The last days. It's almost time for God to once again set up His tent time for Israel. Look at um, Hebrews 10, 15 through 17. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 15. We'll read through verse 17. This is The, uh, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, He says... And by the way, the book of Hebrews is written to Jewish believers. That's why it's called Hebrews, in case you're wondering. Get it? The Hebrew nation. So it's written about their time and what's going on with their covenants. Look at verse 15. The Holy Spirit testifies to us. First He says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time. There's an interesting phrase. After that time. What time? The time we're in right now. I will put my laws in their hearts. I'll write them on their minds. Then He adds their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. What's He saying? There is a time coming when He will again establish His covenant and with the Israel nation, with the Jewish people. After what time? The time we're in right now. That's why we're in the last days. And then this other time is coming when He'll again say to His people, you know what? I will gather. You remember in Matthew when he, when he looked over the city at the triumphal ride? They rejected Him. He said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would have gathered you under My wings like a, like a mother hen does her little chicks. But you wouldn't have it. You see, this time in, in uh, Hebrews 10 is about the filling of that, when He will come to the earth and gather His people under His wings. And they will be His people, and He will be their God. That time is coming. It's still future. So I say to you, we are in the last days. What does that mean, Todd? Well, I've got a lot of implications, but I want to give you one, and I'll be done. I'm not going to get to all of them. I'm just going to give you one. We'll come back next week and talk more about this. I want to give you one implication. Get your house in order. Can I say it that bluntly to you? I listed four or five. I mean, just in study and looking through the New Testament at what Paul encouraged believers to do, because he said, "You know the hour." You can. He said this: the day should not overtake you like you're in the darkness. Paul, he said, you ought to know. It's near the end because we are in life. So don't be surprised. So I've got a lot of implications, but I want to just tell you one that I thought of 1st is get your house in order. Now, I don't know where you are spiritually, but I want to tell you something. I wouldn't enter into the next time without a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I say that to you boldly? I've shown you scripturally, and maybe yeah, I hope I didn't lose you. I don't think I did, but you know, maybe it's kind of new. I just tried to show you the Bible says about last days. We're in them, folks. This middle period is the last days. And we're not guaranteed when that's going to end. We don't know when that's going to end. For you to presume upon God and say, hey, I'll just, uh, you know, when, it, when time comes, I'll be ready. Well, well, that's some pretty crazy thinking. Get your house in order. I mean house by your own house, and I also mean house by your family. Hey, dads, it's irresponsible. To not care for those under your roof. You work a job and feed them and provide stuff for them. Would you please talk to them and ask them if they're ready for the next time? Amen. So my kid's only eight months old, or my kid's only a year and a half. Man, just just spend a lot of time with them and, and the minute they express interest, maybe they're three, maybe they're four, maybe they're but when they express interest in, hey, what's the thing about God? See, they'll pick that up early, people. They'll pick it up. There are people in this church who were saved, who accepted Christ when they were four and five years old. They weren't always a Christian. There aren't, you, know, you don't say, well, I kind of was born that way. I was you know, born in America. I'm American. I guess I was born and I'm a Christian. I mean, it doesn't happen that way. You've got to be born again, John 3. I'm just trying to lay the Bible out for you. You're born again. There are folks who heard the gospel early, and because their parents had prepped them and were, were ready, they trusted Christ soon. Do that as a dad. Build an environment in your home where, where kids can respond to Christ quickly and, because they are always know Him. You know what, man? That's what, that's what we're all about here. Get your house in order. I don't tell you about a guy named Harry Truman. In fact, you ought to just jot somewhere in your notes, remember Harry Truman. That would be a good three words. Said, Who's Harry Truman? Well, he's not the president you're thinking of. Harry Truman was a groundskeeper at the base of Mount St. Helens in 1980. Now, we've been seeing and hearing and reading about how it's about to blow again, haven't we? 24 years ago, Harry Truman didn't believe the reports, which were far greater or far worse than they are now. Harry Truman was an older man, kind of had the look of a weathered individual. He didn't believe. He'd have tourists say, Harry, haven't you heard the reports? Man, the lodge... He was the groundskeeper of the lodge. The lodge is empty. Ah, he'd, say, he'd say, nobody knows this mountain like old Harry. You can just almost kind of envision what he looks like, can't you? The authorities. Harry, there's a mandatory evacuation. Ah, that mountain won't blow. I've been here for decades. I know that mountain. Till one day, poof! The force of 30,000 atomic bombs exploded a mile wide, and the mountaintop blew off. 156 square miles around the mountain was devastated to under 600 feet of lava, rock, and ash. At the bottom of that 600 feet, Harry Truman was buried. And you can look at me today and say, Ah, Todd, that's what you get paid to do. You're a preacher. That's just your view of the Bible. You can say that. But when the top blows off, Are you with me? I wouldn't take the chance of entering the next time without a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you have that relationship? I mean, first of all, do you know that you belong to Jesus Christ? Are you a believer? Are you a Christian? I didn't ask if you went to church, if you do good things. I didn't ask if you... Had Christian Has there ever been a time in your life, that's right, your life, my life, your life, when you repented of your sin and you said, God, Jesus Christ is the only way I can go to heaven. It's not because you confessed to a priest. It's not because you did so many good deeds. It's because you believed in the cross of Christ where He died for us. He was buried and rose again. And so we sing today, My Redeemer lives. That's why you can be saved. From the end time. And when He comes to judge all the nations, you will not be able to claim anything as good for you. That you did this or did that. All you can say is, I have believed that Jesus Christ is the only one in heaven and God will look at you as righteous. And since nothing unholy gets into heaven, but you have Jesus Christ, you'll be declared righteous. He'll say, come on in. There's no scale up there, people. Are you with me? There's no massive thing you sit on and weigh good deeds and bad deeds. There is only one question. Do you have my son, Jesus Christ? At that moment, those who do enter heaven, those who don't, forgive me for not being real PC, are cast into a lake of fire called hell. That's the end times we're talking about. You see why I say to you, it's scary to enter in those times without Jesus Christ. He is the Savior of the world. Think about what He said when He's born. Unto you, given this day, a Savior. We quoted at Christmas. But if He's a Savior, what does He save you from? He saves you from hell. He saves you from eternal condemnation apart from God. So you've got to have Jesus before this time approaches. I'm not trying to be scary or emotional. I'm just trying to preach the Bible to you. You ought to make your decision based on that. You ought to get your house in order. If you're thinking about that, remember Harry Truman. You can ignore the warnings. You can think it's not true. I don't believe it! But a day is coming, the Bible predicts. The time is near. Maybe there's some folks here, you know you're a Christian, but you've been living perhaps opposite of one. Get your house in order, please. Your neighbors need you to live for Jesus Christ. Your boss needs to see Jesus in you. Your kids need a father, a mother, who is an adamant disciple of Jesus. Well, Todd, I know I'm saved, but I've been away from God. Then come back to Christ. Begin walking with Him. Reading your Bible every day. Praying. Worshiping. Begin a life of being a disciple. Get in a small group here with other disciples. and Let them help you grow. In other words, hey, to all of us here, we're in the last day. Let's get our house in order. Amen? Let's live for God. Let's trust Him. Wasting our time. The time is near. Are you ready?